Today on the show, Radical Ones, come celebrate 25 years of Jawbreaker with a very special message from the film's writer-director, Darren Stein. You gagged her with a Jawbreaker? It's time to get radical. Hello there. It's showtime. What is this, trick-or-treat? Did I do that? Good morning, Charlie. Welcome back, Radical Ones, to another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, and please join me in welcoming our good friend back to the show, Mr. Cadu. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me back. Oh, I love when you are here. For the Radical Ones who don't know, Cadu is such a behind-the-scenes force that helps us so much. The support over the years that Cadu has given us on and off of the show has meant so much to me. So I love when we can have my dear friend on. You should have seen the four of them. People worshipped them and cursed them, but everybody wanted to be them. Courtney was the leader. All right, girls, out! She was like Satan in heels, and Marcy was her henchman. I don't think we've met what was the cruel politics of high school and all. At a school like Reagan High, being the teen dream can be a little hard to swallow. It is with deep dismay that I inform you that Elizabeth Purr... I heard she choked on a jawbreaker. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> Are you Courtney Alice Shane? Maybe. Now... I'm Detective Vera Cruz. One detective will try to find the face that fits the facts. You ever seen one of these before? No. No? Take a lot of licks to get one of these things down. It's hard. You frightened me. Star Pictures. You like it? It's okay. There's nothing kinky about okay, and I was there. Can you say free? Comes the battle between the babes. She's so evil. And she's only in high school. It's over, Courtney. I am petrified. Jawbreaker. Our best friend is dead. Do you have any idea what that means? You were shooing for prom queen? Hadu, this is Jawbreaker. Yeah, it's the 25th anniversary of Jawbreaker. How did this happen? 
How you know, did it happen? Time is crazy like that. So along the lines, 25 years ago, how did you come upon the movie for the first time? Well, my first contact with the movie was at the video store, actually. I was 10. I was too young to watch that movie. <laughs> but I was... Definitely. Yeah, I was going through the new titles and I saw this VHS cover that caught my eye. It was so dark. It's different from the US. It's all black and three floating heads and we can see like shadow of Courtney crying at prom so it's very like suspenseful horror movie and I thought mm, I want to see that I'm so glad I did because I really enjoyed the movie at the age of 10. What yeah. a shock it had to have been. <laughs> But I feel like every kid had that movie, you know, that you watched very early on, but it was very formative for you, you know? That is perfectly said, Kadu, because it was definitely formative for me as well. And I just want to ask, I remember you telling me the title in Brazil. Isn't it something like Teenagers or something like that? Or No, the title here is Um Crime Entre Amigas, which means A Crime Between Friends, something like that. A Crime Between Friends. Yes. I love that. It's very suspenseful. That's why I thought it was a horror movie. Especially with the poster that you're describing with the, yeah, the darkness. <laughs> I'm going to post a picture on my Instagram so everyone can see it, but it's very dark. Please do. Please do. So I also remember Kadu seeing it in Blockbuster, another amazing retro, of course, place in our history. Yeah, my favorite. I honestly got to see it so many times on TV. For some reason, Kadu, this movie was on TV continuously. At least twice a month for some reason in the US and it was always on and a matter of fact my longtime friend Philip who we grew up together we had this thing Kadu that anytime that we saw it on television we would just call up the other person and sometimes he would just say my friend Philip Jawbreaker channel 37 and click <laughs> and then we would watch it so <laughs> I had that with some friends watching Charmed. We were like, oh, it's a rerun. Go now, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because at the time, Radical Ones, of course, we didn't have, I mean, we could record things on VHS. But yeah, if you missed it, that was it. So you ran to the TV station. <laughs> yeah, you guys are lucky today. Instant gratification. That's what I always say. It's so instant nowadays. You could just go on and watch Drawbreaker at any time. Do you remember how old you were? When you watch the first time? It was definitely after 10, thankfully, because I probably <laughs> wouldn't have been able to handle it. But it's like a right around the time of charm. So I'm thinking I was 13, 14, maybe? Yeah, probably. It definitely was one of those things that you watch it and it leaves such a lasting impression on you that every time you see it, it's just like, oh my God, you could quote it. You can picture the scenes. You can picture everything about it. And Michelle, please cover your bosoms. This is a learning institution. It's not a brothel. And from the get-go, from the first scene to the last scene. What a way to begin a 17th birthday, but also <laughs> the movie itself. Right? I mean, it was a shocking opening sequence for me at 10. And still today, I watch it and I, I'm like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Because at first, you think it's so sweet because they are, you know, playing with her friend. And then you see the dead body 
I mean, I, I was traumatized when I saw that jawbreaker in her throat. You know what? It's so funny because this always stands out, I feel like, for people, Kadu. Yes, it's the very beginning. But you're right. When they open that trunk and they find the bruised body and the jawbreaker in the throat, it's just, it's horrifying. And you're just instantly, like, shocked into this reality. <laughs> yeah, recently I introduced the movie to my boyfriend and he absolutely loved it. And the first thing he said to me was, like oh my god i'm so sad for this girl and it was only the beginning of the movie and it's so crazy to think that the only lines she has is that birthday card yeah and true the whole entire thing come on marcy help me get her legs <laughs> what are you doing to me oh my god what are you doing to me i'm so sorry it's it's from last year's prank it's one of those cards you push a button record a greeting you know you open it and then it Oh my god, stop it! It's like she's in here with us. Alive. Just don't touch anything else. Let's just do this and get out. So a clique of teenage socialites accidentally murder their best friend Liz on the morning of her birthday. The three girls responsible, Courtney, Julie, and Marcy, conspire to hide the truth as the trio make over nerdy reject Fern Mayo and groom her to take Liz's place. Police detective Vera Cruz launches an investigation that will turn the high school upside down and boy does it oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah the first thing that radical ones need to know is the dialogue in this film is just it's so fun but it's also so bitchy which is just amazing it's so good i mean this movie is so quotable and like i said i introduced the movie recently to my boyfriend and every now and then we're like grocery shopping or something like that and we're like rude bitch but don't forget who made you <laughs> We're like, we keep quoting the movie, and it's so funny. You need to push him against a thing in the supermarket against the wall <laughs> while yeah. you're shopping. Twice. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, so many great lines. Iconic lines. You know, going back to the TV version for a minute, Cadu, I don't know if they do the same thing in Brazil. Do you have, like, when they would censor, like, bad words, quote unquote? Oh, yeah. And scenes. Sometimes you're watching on TV, regular TV, and you're like, oh, it's missing a scene. But it's because they cut it because it's too risque or too... I don't know, scary. Exactly. I always remember because when I actually watch the DVD or the, you know, the actual movie version and not the TV version, it's so funny because in the TV version, they always say, like, let's just say a quote, like, it's peachy effing keen. The dub on the TV would just automatically change it to someone else's voice. It's like Rose McGowan talking. And then all of a sudden it's like peachy <laughs> freaking keen. Yes. <laughs> Someone super different saying that. It's so funny. It takes you out. <laughs> it's so different, but it's funny. It's super funny. I have to ask you two about Jawbreakers the Candy, also known as Gobstoppers in the UK and different places like that. Is it a thing in Brazil? Like, it's a vintage candy here. It's more like, you know, it's an older kind of candy. And by the way, extremely hard to find evidently now because I've been looking for them the last few weeks. But it, it was it a thing in Brazil? Is it a thing? I don't think I ever came across a Jawbreaker, but we had similar candy that was called Bala Soft, which means 
soft candy and they took it out because some kids were swallowing and they oh. were suffocating because they it was too big but too slippery so the kid would swallow and be like uh, 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 and, and died a lot of kids died with that candy so they took it out so i never saw that candy again wow so it's like the real life movie coming alive <laughs> yeah but it was smaller but yeah and speaking of you know accidents maybe this is for the best looking it up i kept saying are these a thing anymore can you buy them and it says this category found in 2003 a nine-year-old girl in florida suffered burns by biting an exploding <laughs> God stopper that had been refrigerated, left out in the sun, and then refrigerated again. (laughs) And evidently, they filed a lawsuit for plastic surgery and pain and suffering. These things are dangerous. But what a dumb idea, you know, to freeze it and unfreeze it and (laughs) freeze it again. And why are you freezing it to begin with? It's like a, I don't understand. It's a hard candy, so I don't know what they're freezing. But danger. Danger. Maybe Liz had a friend over. You know, mommy and daddy's last night away. Maybe he's from school, maybe not. But definitely into kink. He got a little rough, went a little too far. You know, there's a fine line between pleasure and pain. She screamed for help, but nobody could hear her. Her screams were muffled by the huge candy ball. She tried, but there was nothing. Only sugary, sweet death. Oh my god, that like totally gave me the chills. Nobody's gonna believe that. There is no proof. They'll believe it because it's their worst nightmare. Elizabeth Purr, the very picture of teenage perfection obliterated by perversion. You are sick, Courtney. Where do we even begin with the characters? So many memorable, even just little side characters, like that goth girl with the stillborn egg and things like that (laughs) in this movie. Cool. You got a stillborn. Yeah, so many iconic characters and scenes, but but I would like to take a moment to appreciate the hallway scene because, I mean, it, its own entity, you know? After that whole chaos that they are basically murdered their friend, they have to go back to school like nothing happened. And Courtney says her iconic line that we're gonna go down the hallway and act like this is peachy fucking keen, you know? And they are like, Lomo walking down the hallway with that iconic song. Oh. Oh, the song. When I ever hear that song, which honestly isn't often. Yeah, me too. It brings you right back to Jawbreaker. And I think it changed teen movie because I felt like every single movie after that that take place in high school, they had to make a scene like that. You know, the girls walking down the hallway. So Jawbreaker was so memorable and iconic for that. You know, it's so funny because of course there is this Heather's the movie connection that always comes up. And of course, yes, I'm I'm sure it was, you know, inspired by Heather's. But to me, Kadu, like you're saying, I feel like this movie inspired things like Mean Girls and even that TV show Scream Queens. Things where these women that are so just cool because they can come up with these one-liners and this, you know, and just zing you so effortlessly. I think it owes this movie. And Jawbreaker was always my favorite. You know, people always have a preference. Oh, I I like Heather's more or I like Mean Girls more. But to me, Jawbreaker is number one. I agree. I was... Oh, God, this is probably... People are going to be mad, but I like Mean Girls, but I am not obsessed with it as much as most people in our generation are. Me too. I completely agree with you. Mean Girls is my least favorite out of the three. 
perfectly. I think it actually is Jawbreakers, Heathers, and then Mean Girls, definitely for me. Yeah. I guess now that we mentioned Heathers, we should bring up Cadu and I, of course, being huge Charmed fans. There is that Shannon Doherty and Rose McGowan connection, of course. Which yes. Is fabulous. Our favorites. Just love that. And I remember just watching this movie so often and so many times that when Rose was announced to be on Charmed, I was just like, my God, all I see is Courtney. How is yeah. she going to play a lovable sister? I mean, she she did it amazingly, but... I have the same experience. I remember when they first announced Rose as a replacement to Shannon, I was like, oh my God, I hate this because this girl <laughs> can never play a Halliwell sister. She's evil. And when I saw the first scene of her as Paige, I was like, I'm sold. I love this character and they made the right choice. It's amazing. That really is a testament to Rose's acting, that she can make us feel this way with Courtney, one of her iconic roles, and Truly. then another way with Paige. Exactly. When I'm watching Jawbreaker, I can see Paige, and when I'm watching Charmed, I can see Courtney. So that is true talent, you know? Paige. My name is Paige. Hmm. Another P, imagine that. While we're on Courtney's character right now, how do you feel like, is she, I mean, she definitely becomes this horrible, horrible person. Was there a switch that happened to her after the death, do you think? Because when we get that intro, we see the photographs of the girls growing up and being friends and even her idea of, oh, I'm surprising her. We're going to take her to get pancakes and stuff like that. So was Courtney always as horrible as she was? Or do you think there was a switch that turned once the death happened and she was just like well there you, this is my life now good question i think she was always that bitchy character that bitchy person and the queen bee or something like that yeah <laughs> but in a way she was very sweet with her friends because in her own mind she was being friendly or stuff like that yeah and then when the accident happened, I think something shifted because I remember even Rose saying that she feels like Courtney is a sociopath. So she, <laughs> she can see the difference between right and wrong. She, in her head, she didn't do anything wrong. So I think that's how her mind works. You know, she's like, oh, it's not my fault. She's dead, but I didn't do anything. So life goes on, you know, I think she's that cold. And that she thought, like you're saying, that she's possibly protecting her friends and her, I mean, her, herself, of course as well but she's trying to get them out of this situation yeah probably and it makes me mad sometimes when i watch the movie several times because they play courtney as the ultimate villain but all of them are in this you know they chose not to go to the police all of them they chose to stage the body so courtney of course was the mastermind because she she did some things alone like when she tried to incriminate marilyn manson's character but they all did it you know they all chose not to go to the police they all chose to do the wrong thing so every time i watch and i see them like oh courtney's the bad guy should kill liz but they all did it you know kaju's of course speaking about julie benz as marcy foxy foxy <laughs> rebecca gayhart as julie these are our other two i always question this myself who is the main character in this movie i think it's done pretty well like with the ensemble yeah, we get a lot with Julie, but we also get a lot with Courtney. And then we get Fern, you know, yeah, so... Yeah, Fern plays a big part in this movie. Oh my god. Violet, my Violet. What a classic, what a classic yeah. scene. You're extra fancy. You're Violet. 
my violet. <laughs> now that you're talking, who is the lead character in a way? I think that Courtney and Fern are probably the two leaders because Courtney is that beachy character. You know, she rules the school. But then when Fern becomes Violet, it's almost like she is the next queen to to take place. So I think it's a good balance between the two of them. And that iconic her on top of the car outside the <laughs> school. Oh, my God. The mirror, the mirror. Courtney throwing her into the mirror is just the best. It's so such a classic scene. And I'm always laughing about it. So mentioning Julie, Ben of course, not Julie the character. We have her as a Buffy alumni, but we also have Ethan Eckerson, I want to say, who was Percy in Buffy. Oh, true. But I remember him being one of those jock people that were like after Xander and stuff for a little while in, in the seasons. And very handsome man, I gotta say. Yeah, and the cast was all very 90s. You know, these people were big names in the 90s. Rose with Scream and Phantoms and Rebecca of course with Urban Legend and Scream 2 and Julie as you said with Buffy I mean you can get more 90s than that you can't you're right it's all of these icons these familiar faces of the 90s even in the background players it's just oh my god this person's from this or that person's from this so it it's a treat for the retro senses for sure yeah and I think Judy Greer was just starting so it was very interesting because nowadays I think she is the bigger name She's always acting oh, on some major movies, some blockbusters and some cold movies, you know, nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. And speaking of Judy, you have a special message from the writer and director of Jawbreaker, Mr. Darren Stein. So enjoy. Hey, Radical Ones. It's Darren Stein here, the writer director of Jawbreaker. Can't believe it's the film's 25th anniversary. It's absolutely crazy. But I wanted to share a fun story about the casting of the Fern Mayo slash Violet character played by Judy Greer in the film. We were about a week away from production. We had cast one actress who decided to take a pilot, so she did not do the role. So we were left in a lurch. And the casting director said this girl had just graduated from acting school and she came from Chicago and she was fantastic. And that happened to be Judy Greer. So Judy was cast literally, I think it was five to six days before production began. I remember Rose even saying, oh, I can play, I can play Courtney and Fern and Violet, um, which would have been hilarious and cool. But, you know, we wanted to get one actress for, for Fern and Violet and Judy saved the day. She was perfect to the role. We dyed her hair platinum blonde immediately and the rest is history. But yeah, I'm very honored to be uh, included on the podcast uh, for the film's 25th. Very happy that the film continues to, uh, be watched and enjoyed. Darren, thank you so much for that insightful message. I just got the biggest, biggest thrill hearing him tell us that story about the casting. And thank you again. I, we're just, we're so humbled that you took the time to send that to our listeners. Thank you, Darren. You are always such a, a sweetheart. And it's very special for our 25th anniversary episode here on the Radical Retro Rewind. So thank you. And I was so... I I was so surprised to hear that Rose wanted to play all the characters, you know? <laughs> it would have been so funny, just like a soap opera when they have the actor playing twins. Yes! 
<laughs> it would be something very similar to that. Can you imagine Rose throwing herself in the mirror? She really would have showed off those acting chops, though, for sure, if she did. Yeah. That sounds like the most Rose thing ever, though. Like, when I was listening to the video, and believe me, oh my goodness, I listened to these things so many times with the biggest smile on my face. But I'm like, yeah, that sounds like, from what we know about Rose, I could see her saying that. <laughs> yeah, and especially with Charmed, she already played two characters in the same episode. You're right. <laughs> You're right. The evil enchantress. Where we kind of got a little Courtney, although still not as still not as wicked, I don't think. Yeah. The other big name, which I have to bring up, of course, is Pam Greer, who is just a legend, a legend of cinema with all of her movies in the 70s, Coffee, Foxy Brown, Friday Foster, all of these amazing movies that I love for their camp and things as well. So having her as the detective, I just I just love her in this movie. Iconic. And I really love her chemistry with Rose because they play off each other so well. And I think it's very funny when she's investigating and, and Courtney comes across her and says like, oh, hello, Vera. Very. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, very provocative, you know? She don't care. She's calling her by her first name. Yeah, not detective. Hi. Yeah, she's she's not even afraid of her. Which is so... I would be because she is so intimidating in this movie. So intimidating. That's why I thought she did a great job because when she was cast to play Paige, I was like, no way because she's too bitchy. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. It's nice to meet you, Courtney. I'm Detective Cruz. You can call me Vera. Okay. So, you're Liz's best bud, huh? Yes. You went to school that day? Of course. Did you try calling her? Why? If your close friend is not at school, she should be. Depends. Okay, let, let me ask you this. Did you call in sick for Liz? Did I what? I said, did you call in sick for Liz? Of course not. Did it shock you? What? Her death. Not personally. What? Trying to get used to the idea? Yeah. I guess you could say that. Do you know who was with Liz at night? Mm. Oh, come on. Who was the lucky guy? What do you mean by that? This is really something. I don't know if this is true, but these are one of those internet, you know, trivias that you can find online. So it says Pam Greer's contract states that she must be in charge of doing her own hair for her films. For this film, she is wearing about three wigs blended together. Three! Yeah, I believe that. First of all, let me say... She was gorgeous in that movie, so gorgeous, I can totally gorgeous. see her owning that because being a, a black woman, I think it's, you know, just fitting to make your own hair, you know, deciding what you want to do. And she, you're right, she is gorgeous and ageless. She looks, I mean, just fantastic. Even to this day, if you look at Pam Greer, which just love her, just love her. So she just plays another part of making this movie such the iconic cult classic that it is. It's a crazy world, Miss Sherwood. Some of the sweetest candies are sour as death inside. I have a question for you now. Of course. Do you think Courtney could have been played by a gay man? <laughs> I can totally see a gay man doing that because she's very kinky, you know? She's very funny and witty. And I really love that big stick scene. I mean, I think if the movie was made today, probably Courtney would be a gay man or she would be a bisexual girl because she's always flirting with everybody. She's always taking control, you know, of her sexuality. I love that scene with the stick because she's like a girl, but she wants the guy to suck on that stick. 
you know, just like a gay man would do. She's like, I like things with a little kink. God, she's so iconic. What is it? It's called a big stick. A big stick. Huh? Uh huh. You want it? I want you. And I want you to suck a big stick. Okay, a little sick. I said I could do with a little kink. Now suck it and see or get the hell out. Yes. Can you a thousand percent? I think I know from growing up some gay men that could fill this role and be so sassy and catty. Yeah. I wish I, well, actually, maybe I don't. Actually, I was going to say, I wish I had some of that sass, but no, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. We, we are okay being just Julie's and Ferns of the world. For sure, Cadu, for sure. But that, yeah, the big stick scene with the ice pop is another one of those things that, I mean, I. I know a lot definitely enjoyed that scene as well so i know i did yeah <laughs> it, me too i remember watching at 10 i obviously i didn't understand what they were saying the the <laughs> sexual thing behind it but i i remember thinking mm, this boy is kind of cute you know <laughs> What a body, too. My God. Yes, what a body. Which actually brings me to, I love that, and this is in every movie and TV show. Actually, recently, I think they got a little better, but everyone in this movie, besides maybe Rose, looks like they're 35 to me. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> And even Rose, when she did the movie, I think she was 24, 25. So it was years and years after high school. But I think it's it's such a 90s thing, you know, when you watch 90210 and you have that Gabrielle character, like, <gasps> in her 40s, playing like a 17-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Another icon! Oh, God, he's so true. So true. She did look like she was 40. <laughs> I don't know what she was. God bless her. But yeah, she was. Yeah, I think she was the oldest of the cast. At least, right, 30 or something. Yeah. That's just, yes, such a 90s thing. I think it has come kind of full circle in the sense that they seem like they cast closer to the age nowadays. But, you know, it's just part of our charm of the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I feel like going back to the Courtney thing, I feel like probably Fern is also bisexual because she has a thing for Liz. I, we don't understand if she's in love with Liz or she wants to be super close to Liz, like a best friend. But I feel like the undertones of the movie, it's very, very clear now that we are adults because even with Courtney, I feel when she's fighting with Julie in the hallway, you can feel like a sexual tension. She's like, ooh, I'm, I'm getting excited, you know? Yes, Cadu. I always took Fern as, I totally thought, yeah, she has a definitely has a crush on her. I mean, I guess there's that part that you could be young enough and just think someone's so cool and you envy them. But yes, I totally got sexual, you know, romantic feelings from her with that for sure. Yeah, because Fern was very innocent, you know, when she turns into Violet, you can see her owning her body and her sexuality. So I feel like it's very, it's awakening for her. When she says Liz is the cat's meow, you know, like meow, uh -huh. purr. <laughs> Liz purr. Liz is the cat's meow. Yeah, it's that thing with the innocence slash interest, you know? Thousand percent. D did you love that little scene with her when she is outside of Liz's house and she smells the flower and this like centipede comes out? I always said that is like the most fitting thing. It's like something that's so beautiful and nice. 
if you look a little closer, could hold something so disgusting, let's just say, inside. Perfectly said, because it's the definition of this movie, you know, you look at these girls and they are all popular and beautiful, but inside they are all terrible persons and they are hiding stuff. Because can you imagine killing your friend and going to high school acting like nothing happened? Just thinking about prom and thinking about boys. So they are very, very twisted. Calling as her mother. She can't come to school today. I know she missed a lot of class. (laughs) Such amazing scenes and dialogue. I mean, like you said, we can quote the movie endlessly. You know what? It's so funny. It's like the littlest thing, Kadu. But one of my favorite parts is when Fern gets to the house and she sees what's happened and she goes, Marcy, get her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She laughs so much. Marcy, get her. And when they confront her and they are trying to explain what's going to happen and Marcy does something so funny. She comes closer and said that Fern is a rat. I always think this is so (laughs) hilarious. A tattletale. A rat. I love that too. So quotable. Everything is so quotable. Even down to Courtney saying that a rose, too obvious. Like play on her being, you know, her name being Rose in real life, which I think is so cute as well. Fantastic, yes. What do you think about the relationship with Julie and Fern, that little subplot that they used to know each other and, you know, now that Julie's out with this group and she's, you know, separating herself and she remembers that she was, you know, friends with Fern and all these things. It, it's so sad because I always think of her on the phone with that three-way call scene and she's waiting for her to come back. <laughs> Yeah. That is to me is so high school. Like it really feels like a real thing, especially in the 90s. Truly. And I think it's such a special connection that brings both characters back to the past because we all can relate to that. When we are kids, we have that innocence. We just like to play and we are not interested in looks and money or anything like that. But when we are older and in high school, something shifts and we're like, oh, I must be popular or, oh, I must think of my career and people start to drift it apart. You know, I think it's really, really sad and it happens to everybody. Yes. I often say that I had so many good friends in high school that I, I don't know, I, I think I talk to one of them nowadays. So it's really, really sad because we don't stay in touch anymore. Hello. Fern? Hi, it's me, Julie. Oh, hi, Julie. Listen, I know that you're not supposed to talk to me, so... No, 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 it's okay. This must be really weird for you. Yeah. And when you're in high school or school in general, I mean, I'll even say, you know, leading up to that, the years... It's because it's all that we know at that time that it feels like everything is just the either the end of the world or it's, you know, the most amazing thing because, yes, school could either be such a wonderful experience for people or just a horrible experience. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of horrible experience, we have that amazing bathroom fight scene with (laughs) Courtney and Fern or Violet, which I think is truly (laughs) iconic. What the fuck? are you doing exactly what you taught me i taught you to disrespect us you taught me to rule that's right rule bitch but don't forget who made you 
first of all, that scene was filmed in a single take without cuts, which I think is amazing. I just oh, realized this a couple of years ago. And every time I watched it, I'm trying to look for something to to cut and no, and it never does. So I'm like, mm, it's, it's been done in one take, which is amazing because it's such a difficult scene. Very, you know, heavy with a choreograph, Courtney throwing Fern into that mirror and all this dialogue. So I think it's such a remarkable thing. To your point, Cadu, from everything I'm reading, it was a 30-day shoot and it was very hectic, evidently. So I could totally see them using one without cuts and just going for it. Yeah, 100%. And it came out beautifully and very memorable because we are still quoting. Like we mentioned before, like, real bitch, but don't forget who made you. I love this. And I love that you always have that with your boyfriend. I just, I love that. I love that you shared it with him as well. Something you love and you introduced him to this movie. Yeah, he was uh, a fan of Rose before, but he'd never seen Jawbreaker before. So when I introduced the movie to him, he was very, very happy. And it was funny because a little bit earlier than that, I showed him that video of the dolls. <laughs> Yeah. which is the, the bathroom fight scene. And he thought that was so hilarious. So I, I said, okay, now we're going to watch the movie. And that scene holds up, you know, even in the in that doll format. Kaju's talking about on Instagram, there's this creator that did a scene with, I don't even know if they're, are they Barbie dolls? I mean, they're pr very pretty dolls, whatever they are. And they reenact that scene, even down to Fern being on top of the car. <laughs> And smoking. I think that scene is the hilarious. Smoking. The smoking. Oh my God. And right before that, Cadu, I love this scene where Courtney's driving and she almost runs over <laughs> Julie right off the bus and she don't even care. <laughs> yeah, she's so cold. I mean, she basically tried to murder her other friend. <laughs> She's like, what do I have to lose at this point? I'll just say someone else killed her. Where did Fern get this money from? Did her family always have this money? Because it seems like out of nowhere, she was able to afford a pink <laughs> Cadillac convertible or whatever that was. I kept saying, like, was this always available to Fern? Yeah, I think they were probably all rich girls because Fern makes a makeover and nobody knows that Fern is missing. They're just God. like, oh, this is my lad. And oh, it's a new student. But they don't even realize that the old person, Fern, is missing from school. Which is such a testament of how much that people in high school don't pay attention, don't care, and just yeah. accept this as a new person. Especially in big schools. Yes, yes. A fine line that traces a deep crimson heart. Rest now, sweetness. Till the day all shall see the beauty we molded from sheer misery. Let's actually talk about the makeover. What a beautifully filmed scene, I think that is, when they, they go back and forth between Fern getting that makeover and at the same time they're doing that autopsy on Liz's body. Mm -hmm. That is so poetic, I feel like. Very poetic. And I really love the parallel that the movie does a lot, not only with this scene, but I think it's it's very true. You know, it's the, the death of a friend and the rebirth 
birth of another queen bee or something like that. So I think it's very poetic, like you said. And then even that shot when we go to the high school and all of the students are just frozen with this, you know, Liz is dead and the, and the students aren't moving. But then only Julie is moving. Oh, my God. I love that. It's it's very close between that and even the pool scene for me. That's I think is just so gorgeously shot and again, poetic when she sees Liz in the pool and, you know, things like that. Yeah, like a, a ghost and a memory. It's very haunting. Very, very haunting. I think it just makes this movie even more iconic. <laughs> And speaking of iconic, we have to talk about the clothes. They just pop. I think it's the whole movie, Cadu. The whole movie is this colorful, candy-colored, bright film. And and the subject matter is so different from everything. But the clothes just add to that brightness. The purples, the reds, the greens. I love all the the colors, like you said. I love the, the structure. And going back to that thing about Courtney being like a gay man, you can see that this movie, especially in Courtney's wardrobe, is very fetish oriented, you know, with the leather and stuff. Very sexual for a for a kid, you know. I, I think it's so beautifully done and I think it's one of the best wardrobes in a teen movie that I've ever seen. Honestly, there's still videos to this day that talk about how gorgeous and, and timeless those outfits were. I mean, who else in the 90s at high school was dressed with like a leather skirt or something? I guess Buffy Summers from Buffy. That's the only one I could ever, right, looking so good in high school like that. (laughs) Yeah, and you said it perfectly because the movie is in the 90s, but the fashion is timeless. You know, you can watch that movie and you can pick references from the 70s, but at the same time, we can see the clothes today. So I think it's it's really, really cool. And even those sweaters too, there's like 50s looking sweaters. And it seems like from doing the research that Darren was inspired by even movies like Grease and Rocky Horror, he said, during this movie. So I can totally see that kind of grease bubblegum kind of look too with this horror that's going on in the school (laughs) the only thing very specific to the 90s i think is the glasses the color glasses that's so true courtney with her red julie with the the yellow one and the the blue one those big glasses those big chunky colorful glasses yeah i remember my sister and my friends wearing those glasses i love that it's a time capsule of the 90s not to mention even the, the soundtrack, like we were mentioning earlier, we have so many 90s, 90s, like sounding songs in that. I mean, we do get Connie Francis with the lollipop lips, but I love the the soundtrack of, of this movie. And I think it's really cool to have the Donnas at the prom. So crazy. Because the Donnas is such a 90s group. How did I forget that? That every time I see that movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Donnas were and they they were around what forever, I feel like in the 90s, because yeah. they were under the radar for sure i think but very memorable to us kids from the 90s because they were everywhere you know they were charmed and jawbreaker and you name it you know you can always pick donna's song and you will remember the 90s and early 2000s early 2000s as well we also get i just gotta mention my girl tiffany gets a mention in here tiffany the singer i think we're alone now you remember the tiffany concert you are so lame you don't even have any friends. Oh, whatever happened to my sweet little brownie? Yes. My Girl Scout? 
You remember the Tiffany concert? Oh, <laughs> you love Tiffany. <laughs> I think we're alone now. Oh, my God. It doesn't seem to be anyone around. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Made me think of you when I, watch it, when I was watching. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that character that Julie gets with, the actor Chad Christ. He seems like he's disappeared because I was like, wow, this guy was kind of cute. I wonder what happened to him. But he seemed to have done like a few movies and then just disappeared. I would have loved to have seen what he looked like now. Yeah, he was very like a 90s boy. And I never never (sighs) saw him again. I think my only memory is Jawbreaker. The long hair is such a 90s thing. Such a 90s thing. And since we touched on the prom sequence, what do you think of the iconic ending? It is the best. And it's the best revenge against Courtney as well. Because you're like, she does all these things in this movie. Will she ever get what's coming to her? And then being up there in front of the whole school. But just even down to what I always remember about the end of this movie. That slow motion. Julie with Rose. <laughs> And they take the picture of her. Smile pretty, Courtney. And it's so funny because I remember Darren saying that Rose chose that hairpiece to be even more dramatic when she's like throwing her hair and, you know, no, no. You see it coming looser and looser and just flying and flying. Like you could totally see like Rose just probably undoing it. So it just flies around. (laughs) And her mascara. And it's so funny that even in that moment, that character saw her thinking like, oh, it's a familiar face. So she's looking for her for comfort, even though she did all these things to this woman <laughs> leading up to this point. You thought that something else was going to happen, like a Carrie moment, or you thought that they were going to play that music, that message? Because you know what I always, and I still I kind of forget too, I'm like, did they throw something at her at the end for some reason? Because I always think of the mascara running down her face. It always looks like some kind of like black, you know, whatever. It's just mascara though. But yeah, I always think that they're going to throw blood on her or something like cow's blood or something. Because they mention it kind of at one point, something about blood or something. So I'm like, oh, but no, it never happens. Yeah, I, I think Fern said something. <laughs> yes, it was Fern. Something about a carry moment. That's exact. Yes, you're right. That's probably where I think every time that it's going to happen. But either way, it's still iconic with the students cursing her and and looking at her with, you know, such, oh, the other 30-year-old women and men <laughs> in, in the school. <laughs> Remind everybody what happens in that final scene. So it's going to be of a prom king and queen. They have it. So Julie and what is Chad Christ's character's name? Zach. Zach. Thank you, Zach. Who I guess is the only straight person in the drama club. I guess we found that out, right? <laughs> well, maybe not, because maybe even, the gir- <laughs> even, even the girls are always messing around saying that he's gay. <laughs> As Courtney is crowned the queen of the prom... Dane is the prom king and as she's doing her little speech they play the card that which by the way we have to just bring up that Cadu actually has like a replica of this birthday card but it was one of those voice recording birthday cards and the iconic quote of I killed Liz I killed the teen dream deal with, deal it, with it is played over and over over the loudspeaker I could dream come true. 
I love I killed Liz. I killed so the danger. Deal with it. I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. Deal with it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. Deal with it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Monsieur would fix it. <laughs> what is going on here? I do not appreciate a prank at a time like this. I killed Liz. That's I killed the teen dream. Nice. Deal with it. Dane? Dane? And I do love when Courtney's just like, huh? What? Like, so, like, innocent? Like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Always makes me laugh when she's trying to think of something and the (laughs) mic is pulled, the the sound, and she's like, what the hell? You know? God. And then they start throwing their corsages, roses at her, paper, cursing her. And it's just, it's so iconic. Again, iconic, this movie, iconic. But like I said in the beginning, I think that, of course, she deserved that. But I feel like the other girls maybe did some time or something happens. Yeah, something what happened, happened to, them to them. Because it's not fair that only Courtney is the one to blame yes she did suffocated the girl with the jawbreaker <laughs> but the others knew and staged the the body and even carried fern, her up the stairs yeah even fern went along and took her place so i think something happened to these girls you know even detention or time in jail something like that yeah it's i feel like marcy she was hiding under the table and the end of the scene because of course that was her character you know she was always just like a follower and you know meeker than the other ones but yeah something had to happen to all of them because they lied like you're saying they did a whole crime scene of course yeah courtney was beyond with the stranger coming in to have sex with her in the bed but marilyn Mansell making a cameo my god that's i think the first time he looked like a abnormal person for me in this movie yeah but but i think he looked horrible and very very scary i mean no offense to marilyn but yeah i never i never saw that appeal that people or even with michael jackson the people that always go oh they're so he was so handsome and i go okay because okay. <laughs> there's people out there with marilyn right you ever heard that over the years oh of course you know there's someone for everybody i guess <laughs> I do want to read this. There was a interview for the movie's 15th anniversary. My God. It was a dazed interview with Darren Stein and Rose. And Dazed asked, does Drawbreaker clearly have a messaging to it? Now, Darren says, Drawbreaker is not a message movie. That's what I love about it. Rose says, I think there's a message. Darren says, what is it? What do you think it is? And Rose says, I think you should keep your enemies close. Duh. And then (laughs) Daze says, before they kill you. And then Rose says, exactly. No, it's an anti-message movie. Such a Rose thing to say. That's why we love her. She's just her own person. And it's Rose. Yeah. So out of the box. We have to take it from Darren, of course, the creator and the writer and the director and Rose. But I do get something out of it. I I get that people are horrible. <laughs> and especially in high school. <laughs> Honestly, every time I watch this movie. Me too. And, and growing up with that movie, you can play very different scenarios. You know, you can first see and just 
watch that bubbly movie with the uh, funny quotes. But as you grow older, you realize that people leave people like they said in that phone call, you know, people raised people and you are alone in this world. You know, you have to take care of yourself first, because even in a group of friends, maybe your friend is your enemy. So I think it's I think it's so really true. It's really dense if you think about it. So I guess Liz was a hero to you. Hmm? I mean, wouldn't it bother you to lose such a close friend? This is high school, Detective Cruz. What is a friend anyway? A friend is someone who tells the truth no matter what. A true friend never lies. And how often does that happen in high school when there's people that just will be nice? I mean, it still happens to this day, but people that are nice to you in your face and then are making fun of you with other people in the school. Totally. Do you think there is room for a sequel or a reboot nowadays? Or do you think it's just a classic and don't mess with a classic? I mean, you know, it definitely stands on its own. Of course, of course. But, you know, I actually, I, this is perfect, Cadu. I was going to ask you the same question. I read something recently where someone was saying, wouldn't a great sequel be following Courtney after jail and then have it be called Jawbreakers instead of like Jawbreaker? So it's like, plural and then have her see what happens to her after you know going to jail coming out i don't know where it would go after that like would it be the kids of the uh, the cast from the original movie or something like that or would it be a completely different take yeah that's why i have a hard time thinking about this because the original is such a classic that i think it stands on its own and doesn't need a reboot or a sequel because i feel like if they did a sequel to that i don't know if the magic will be the same because like you said they will probably have to cast the the kids and they are just playing the the moms or if they reboot it i think a lot would be lost because nowadays we have so much of awareness of things so you can't say stuff like that god you know None of this movie would you would even be able to say any of this script, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I think the the thing that would make me smile to see is something like a, a scene, you know, a, a short movie or a short scene like Saturday Night Live skits. And, you know, just to bring these characters back for like two or three minutes. And you're like, oh, I'm so happy that they reunited. And that's it. I, I don't think we need to see like a, an hour and a, and a half story again. And I even read that Darren is trying to make a musical, like the Mean Girls musical. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I think that is the only thing that would be okay because a musical is a different thing you know but if i have to choose i will choose to to only have the original and maybe like a, a funny reunion scene you know we actually did get the ladies together for that 90s con which i was able to go to in um, last year so we did get that photo shoot do you remember well actually it wasn't a photo shoot it was a picture though of you know our leads together and rose holding the jawbreaker in the front so i love that like at the end of the day at least we got the photo of the three of them together yeah i'm happy with that you know and to know that they they get along and they are happy with the legacy of the movie so i, I was happy to see that photo so what do you think the takeaway is would it be this quote it's a crazy world miss sherman some of the sweetest candies are sour as death inside <laughs> yeah or the the one that ends the movie when Fern says what is a friend anyway 
Is that not so good? Yeah, what a way to end the movie. I would say, Kadu, that this is a colorful, campy, dark 90s cult classic, down to the music and even the sound effects that they play in certain scenes for just different parts. It's something that I, to me, has standed the test of time and being able to celebrate the 25th anniversary with someone like Kadu, who loves this movie as well, and then getting the message from Darren. Again, thank you so much for that. I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate the 25th anniversary. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Jawbreaker is such an important film to me. I discovered that when I was only 10 and... <laughs> And nowadays I have like a connection with Rose. Oh my God, I can't believe like I, I'm Instagram friends with her for over a decade. I think it was back to 2013. So it's so special to to have that bond. And yeah, I love my time with you. So thank you so much for having me and happy anniversary. Radical Ones. It came down to when I met Rose and I mentioned his name and she spoke it out loud. She knew exactly who I was talking about. And I think it's just an amazing, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And Kadu has such a love for Rose, of course, as I, I do too. But like he's saying, God, 11 years. So just another thing that just makes this movie even more special for us. So... Kadu, where can the lovely Radical Ones find you when you're not hanging out with us over here? You can follow me on Instagram, Kadu Luongo. And of course, I will have Kadu's links in our description box below, as well as the Radical Retro Rewind podcast, One Word on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and beyond. We have been getting so many wonderful reviews lately for our Thundercats episodes. So thank you so much if you're listening out there for that. Of course, we would love, 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 love more of our radical ones to represent as well in those those reviews so if you have time and you are on apple podcast and you see the show and you want to leave us a review it will greatly help us out thank you for that and thank you to my wonderful friend kadu for being here this week thank you so much and remember rule bitch but don't forget who made you i killed liz i killed the teen dream deal with it Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.